everyone. Welcome back to the Books We Read podcast. And uh, yeah, so here in the studio, myself and Jaren, this one I think is going to be an interesting episode, according to Jaren, because he has chosen... Yeah. I have chosen to talk about Pilgrim's Progress <laughs> by John Bunyan. But we are beginning with a book that Regan will talk about. So, mm-hmm. Regan, what have you been reading? And I'm going to try to get mine done as quickly as possible because I cannot wait to hear what Jaren thinks of Pilgrim's Progress. Anyway, so the one I've recently finished is called All Quiet on the Western Front. It was written in 1929, so pretty old. Actually, I listened to it, um, and for the record, this is an excellent book to listen to. The narrator's really good. Um some consider it the greatest war novel of all time. It's the it's basically World War One from the perspective of the Germans, particularly a group of they were schoolboys really that signed up or were enlisted, and it it's it's hard to put into words. It is so completely alien to everything that we know of the human experience that it. I about can't find words for it. Um, the I'm I'm very fascinated by World War One as a whole. So I've I've read a whole bunch of books and and things, but this one is so raw and visceral and deep and intense and almost it's relentless. That's the word I'm thinking of. Um, it one of the opening lines is. Um, and it's written um, from this, this. I mean, it's a novel, but from this young man's perspective in first person. It says, I am young, I am 20 years old, yet I know nothing of life but despair, death, fear. Yeah, it, and that's basically where it, it starts, where you have how earth-shattering it was for these young men to get thrown from being in school to going into combat together and then losing most of your friends. Like, we forget how devastating World War I was. There's literally millions of, of soldiers died, tens of millions. I think it was like 25 million or something total um, soldier casualties of the war. And then in the end, to, the Germans lost the war. Um, and when you step back and look at it from a historical perspective, it's really hard to know who was really in the right and who was in the wrong. I mean, both sides did a whole bunch of really nasty things to each other. And it's just like, oh man, you know, how could the world turn into chaos so fast? An entire continent, an entire world going into war. Um, and it, yeah, it's something that I'm trying to understand, the, the psychology of humans that allows them to want to hurt each other that much. I, and I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't figure that out. I really, I can't. Um, this sense that it's an honor and a duty to you know, go and and kill another human because their culture is different than yours, their economic system is different than yours. So we're going to you know bring in and this is insane. But like you look at some of the battles of World War One, they would bring in entire shipping lines that they would build to cart in all the artillery, set them up, and literally shoot the other side in the other trench who's you know hunkered down they would literally shoot in one like continuous bombardment a million plus artillery rounds at them a million like we can't even it's insane and that would just be like that would be the opening to a battle and then they would send like hundreds of thousands of guys running at each other and then like machine guns would just 
destroy them all and then they would send some more and then all of them would get shot and and they would do all of that and after you know maybe a week or two the front line had moved like you know 10 feet or something and 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 people actually thought this was the right thing to do if you go and read some of the original papers of different people they really thought they were doing the right thing at the time and this novel is written 10 years after the war ended and it's basically saying wow we were so wrong like war is a really bad idea um so a warning if you do read it it's really dark it's really depressing and and pretty uh pretty gruesome because it's war but it's a piece of of world history that i don't think we should forget um so anyway that's yeah Wow, that sounds absolutely horrendous. And do you talk about the way it raises ideological questions for you? Like, is this even the right thing to do, to fight and to kill so many people for a cause? And you mentioned that the author comes out on a certain side saying, no, maybe this wasn't the right thing to do. But I'm curious how within the story, the author presents that idea or proposes that Mm. such carnage and killing was not the right choice. How does the author even go about discussing that, apart from the narrative? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Because it's a novel, it's not like he comes out and says, we should banish war, and war is terrible, and all of this stuff. But just the way it... the it, Within the fabric of the story itself, it shows the benefits of war, particularly World War One. what he's saying in that particular case, the benefits were, weren't there. They, there just weren't any upsides. To what they were doing but the problem is they got so deep in in this global conflict they couldn't really pull themselves out again which was what's kind of a problem that all sides of that war started seeing but it was too late um so i don't know you know it'd be interesting i'm you know the author's long dead but it would be very interesting to sit down with him and and actually ask him like would you apply this cynicism that you have of world war one and what happened to you what happened to your friends because i mean i mean having survived something like this would you apply that cynicism to every other war or was it just your particular experience it'd be really interesting to know okay jared all right so i've been uh, really looking forward to this Okay, John Bunyan, The Pilgrim's Progress. Please do share your enlightened insights. I've actually read it twice uh, this year. Almost everybody in the English-speaking world knows about Pilgrim's Progress, and probably most have also read it or are familiar with the story. It was originally written by John Bunyan, of course, who was a Puritan, and he worked in... 1678 is when the book was first published. It had a huge impact on Christendom. Many people have been encouraged by it. It's helped many people. Um, and many people have regarded it as a good book or spiritually edifying. And I've read it several times in my life. But when I read it again this year, I began to think of it from a different perspective. And before I get to that different perspective, I should give a bit of a summary for those of you who don't know. Basically, this individual named Christian, imagine that, he is the Christian of the story, <laughs> begins... This in, is an allegory. This is an all, allegory, yeah. and it's abundantly obvious what Bunyan is trying to say, because he names his characters by their characteristics, or what he wants you to know them by. Christian begins in the city of destruction. And he realizes that he has a burden on his back. He realizes that he's weighed down by sin. He realizes that the city of destruction will soon be destroyed. And so within a book, 
which we can assume is the Bible, he reads that he needs to flee from the wrath that is to come. And so he sets out on the path towards the celestial city, heaven or the realm where God lives. And the book is the narrative of him working from the city of destruction toward the celestial city, where he will find some sort of salvation or refuge from the destruction. Thankfully, along the path is a wall, which is called salvation. And that is emblematic of what it's meant to do, is to save him from what's on the outside of that wall. So there was obvious problems that came when the pilgrims crossed from the path to the outside of the wall, but it was also a sure sign of trouble when people would come from the outside in and meet up with the pilgrims. I have to think especially of the character named Talkative and the character named Ignorant. Um, when Talkative first met up with Christian and Faithful, he presented himself as an Orthodox Christian. He had the right words to say, but the pilgrims, who Bunyan presents as wise, were very suspicious of him and very hostile in his conversation. And without having any real reason for believing that Talkative was something other than a legitimate, sincere Christian, said very harsh words to him and sent him on his way. And a similar thing happened when ignorance met up with them. Ignorance gave them no reason to believe that he was anything less than a sincere Christian, and Pilgrim going to the Celestial City. Yeah, I'll just read you, read you a bit of the dialogue to give you an idea of how it went. Ignorance says, when Christian questions him, Why? I think of God in heaven. Christian says, So do the devils and damned souls. Ignorance says, But I think of them and leave all for them. Christian says, that I doubt. Ignorance says, My heart tells me so. Christian says, He that trusts his own heart is a fool. So within that dialogue, um, Ignorance doesn't really say anything wrong. He talks about the way he likes to think of God in heaven, which we would say, It's probably a good thing if our mind is set on God. But Christian was not content with that and sent him on his way in a very hostile manner. Whoa. Okay, just cutting in here. So what happens to ignorance and talkative in this story? They go to hell. Really? It is nothing else talked about of their character? Um, with talkative, there is a mention that Krishna knew him back from the city of destruction. So Krishna may have had a background bio on him, but there isn't reason to believe that he isn't a legitimate pilgrim who has left the city of destruction the same way that Christian and Talkative did. So maybe we could argue that Christian had reason to doubt his sincerity, but within the narrative, I don't think that Christian handled the dialogue appropriately. Well, yeah, because where's the context? Like, we know nothing of these two guys' character outside of the obvious names, I guess, ignorance and Talkative. But, I mean, even... I think yeah. I think Bunyan expects us to trust his judgment as the author, because <laughs> even though we're not given the context, we see um, characters such as talkative and ignorance going to hell along along the path from the celestial city and this uh, city of destruction. There are several gates to hell with smoke coming out that characters are cast into. So. But why did why did they burn forever? Like, what did they do wrong? That is not yet clear in my mind. I'm not sure what Bunyan what Bunyan had in mind. 
I assume it made sense to him. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make perfect sense to me. I do not remember that part of the story when I read this book, like, okay, like 10 years ago, but still. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the people from the outside, apart from the pilgrims, were definitely a threat and subject to going to hell, and crossing the wall of salvation was a problem. But the pilgrims also were not able to trust themselves. So the pilgrim finds an arbor to sleep in, and he falls asleep. And here's what Bunyan says about that. Now as he was sleeping, there came one to him and awaked him, saying, Go to the ant thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. And with that, Christian suddenly started up and sped him on his way, and went apace till he came to the top of the hill. Now, Bunyan has an interesting feature in his book. He loves side notes. In the margins, there's all kinds of notes that he leaves. So along oh, with this passage, so along with this passage of Christian falling asleep, he has a side note that says, "He that sleeps is a loser." <laughs> I thought that was pretty good and indicative of the way he thought of the threats of the world and gratifying one's desires. So. In a way, as a Christian, I think this is congruent with what the New Testament teaches us. Um, over the way that our flesh can be contrary to the way that the Spirit would lead us, or the way that the what might be called worldliness, or things around us in the world can pull our attention from God. So in a way, I think Bunyan's vision is consistent with the New Testament. However, I am also troubled by the way Bunyan presents the human um, experience as a Christian. God made us fleshly, he made us physical, and he put us in a physical world. And he calls us to be stewards of what he entrusts to us, and he causes us to engage with the world. For the most part, for most of the narrative of Bunyan's pilgrims, there is no engagement with the world. They are running headlong away from the city of destruction to um, the celestial city, to heaven, which they achieve by disembodiment with crossing the river and dying. Only when they are disembodied, they are able to experience God. But while they are pilgrims, they are supposed to be fenced off from the world and in no way engaging with it apart from fleeing from it and condemning it and being hostile towards other people. I would like to think that God making us physical beings and placing us in a physical world, he would expect us to engage with the world well. Bunyan presents no opportunity for that. It's only detachment from the world. Also what bothers me is there's no relationship with God or connection with God um, within this novel until they reach the celestial city. The pilgrim encounters the cross, but there's no talk about Jesus who makes the cross significant. Um, there's no guiding from the Holy Spirit, and I honestly don't remember if there's prayer, but that's not a substantial part of the story. It's like it's hardly even orthodox. I question that. I question if this is orthodox Christianity. Whoa. I should mention that there is an exception, um, to the thing of engaging with the physical world. At the Palace Beautiful, they enjoy food, and they absorb iconography. So, those would be exceptions. But that's definitely the exception to the rule that's presented in Pilgrim's Progress. So what what's he getting at here? Is there a larger ad- agenda besides the allegory that, that he wrote? I'm not sure. I, I think it was an honest depiction of his view of Christianity. And so maybe, maybe it's just telling him telling of how he experiences Christianity. As a Puritan in England, 
unless I'm mistaken, he and the others in his little sect, who were separatists from the separatists, uh, they did face opposition. He spent time in prison, and for him, society was hostile, and his Christianity required separation from the world and some sort of disengagement. So perhaps Pilgrim's Progress was just a articulation of the way he experienced his faith. He he was a he was just the product of his times basically. Like he was writing of the reality that he knew. Yeah, cuz I mean if he's writing from prison, yeah, you're going to have that vibe that you know the whole world's out to get you. I've I've never thought of it that and way. That is possible. I'm certainly not an expert on 17th century Puritans <laughs> sure. in England and I'm not an expert on Bunyan's biography, but I would see that as a plausible factor. That is so wild. Yeah, so that's that's Whoa. that's my take on Bunyan um, and Pilgrim's Progress. I'm still developing my ideas, and they're not um, totally coherent yet, and firmly formulated in my mind. But but that's not where entirely I'm positive. At. I'm not t- entirely positive at yeah. this point. <laughs> it's supposed to be this great, amazing classic of Christian literature, and in some ways it has been. Mm-hmm. It's definitely been influent. It's been influential. We shouldn't deny that. Oh, it's been influential for sure. It's one of the greatest best-selling books of all time, actually. I forget where exactly it hits the charts, but I, not as much more, more recently, but, I mean, it's held in the bestsellers for quite a while. Kind of, yeah, it has of, definitely held its own among <laughs> other competing literature. Whew, now I should... Man, I, I feel like I should read it again. You should. Yeah. I, would, I would recommend that many would read it. Mm-hmm. But read it critically. Don't absorb it. And accept as truth everything you read. Oh, so someone who's maybe not, you know, who's a little ignorant, I shouldn't just, like, shun them like Christian does in this book? No, don't shun those who are (laughs) ignorant. Help them see a better way. (laughs) Wow. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay, so just kind of wrapping it all up. Um, The books we discussed today were All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, that was the book I, I had recently read. And and I discussed Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Mm-hmm. So go check these out if you feel like it, if they seem somewhat interesting. And uh, we'd love to hear some feedback, by the way. We're not sure if we're going to keep doing this thing. But, it's but it, if you give us feedback, we may be more likely to do more episodes than if we don't hear anything. But if you are listening to this, we appreciate you've listened this far into the podcast so anyway it would be kind of fun to keep doing it so if you guys like it just you know let us know find us on twitter or something (laughs) all right we'll see you